under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Troy is out today, but in his stead, we have Southern Wood. And Joey, this is a thing people don't realize. If you want to be part of the Joey Clark Radio Hour Hall of Fame, you got to be willing to step up. Maybe you're not even the starter. I'm not the starter tonight. No. But Troy goes down... You know, twist his ankle. Yeah. In warm-ups. Coach looks at me, Coach Joey, and he says, 84, get in here. And I'm like, I'll be there, Coach. I appreciate it. I'm that. ready. Appreciate you being Johnny on the spot. You know, I had that moment happen to me when I was a sophomore in high school. I was not starting. I was playing JV ball, but it's a varsity game coach gets all pissed off at the nose guard and I'm standing right behind him like a buck 40. He goes, Joey, you go in there. I'm like, what, nose guard? He's like, yeah, go. You're fast. You're quick. And so I went in there. That was so quick off the ball, caused the fumble. I just there watched the center like a hawk. As soon as he moved the ball, I shot the gap. They tried to do a handoff. I hit them before shoot they the could gap, do that. Always, I mean, that's you the way to shoot go. that gap, cousin. Anyway, the uh, news is well. Can we not talk about the news? It's frustrating. Uh, it sucks all the way around. No, I want to carry on though on something I brought up early in the day that the most pervasive form of bigotry in this country, not the the worst form of bigotry. Don't get me wrong. There's some pretty evil crap out there. Like forms of intolerance that are, you know, like just nonsense to me. Things like racism. Pretty bad form of bigotry. Mm-hmm. Like a true blue, like sexist, like a guy just hates women. You've probably met those guys. Somebody was done wrong. And so because he was oh, yeah. done wrong by one woman or whatever, mm-hmm. has carried that negative emotion. And yeah, those people exist. Sure. Yeah. And they're disgusting individual human beings. Yes. But I think the most pervasive, the most widespread form of bigotry in this country is political bigotry. Oh, by far. Partisan bigotry. By far. A political bigot, a person who is intolerant of people with different political opinions than their own. So much so that they might, you know, well, 
claim that the person they just simply disagree with on policy or values or whatever is an even worse type of bigot. So it's mm-hmm. like not just that we disagree on something, you're like a sexist, racist, you're phobic of some form or another. I don't know. You're phobic towards gay people or Muslims or oh, everything. Anything mm-hmm. that you criticize. Trans people. Right. Sure. I mean, that's, and, and that's, I, I think it's really come to light so much if people would, and once again, I love Donald Trump. I voted for him in the primary and in the general, and I love him. I really do. I like his ideas. I'm looking at him as a businessman that is worth $14 trillion and, or billion dollars, and, and he wants yeah. to help the country. I'm looking at it from that angle, and yeah, I mean, there's things with his attitude, and and there are things with maybe his personal life that I don't personally agree with. I mean, we're not on the same page on everything, right? But it's it, it's amazing to me all the pictures and the awards and the things you saw that he got from the African American community, right? For instance, yes. I mean, for the last twenty years. And now that he's a Republican, there were uh, uh, he held up a rainbow flag as right. a Republican candidate running for president. Right, and and not to say that you can just put on an air like that and hold the flag up and say, "Hey, Supreme Court, they've already ruled on it." You know, you know, homosexuals can get married. That's fine. That's what the Supreme right. Court said. I got no other opinion on it. I'm the president. I'm not the courts. See, but and, no, he's homophobic because he's not fighting in the same way a progressive president would fight. But from the <laughs> instant that he became the nominee, he became the most evil human being on the face of the planet. Well, of course. And, I mean, he's a Nazi. He's a white nationalist. And, and yeah. we can go through all the crap. Is is getting so redundant that if you don't know it by now... It, it goes to that point. You're not gonna ever pick it up. You're you're so focused on what your belief is. I mean, I could show you a picture. If right. you're a Donald Trump fan of him with a gun pointed at Joey Clark's head, mm-hmm. shooting him, mm-hmm. and like five different steals, like snuff, and though. the bullet coming out the other side. Yeah. And Trump supporters would say, "Nah, he didn't do it," <laughs> or Joey probably deserved it. And on yeah. you know on the other side, yeah, you're gonna make an excuse for the person you go, and that's right. I think where you're going. With well, it. And, then, and I wrote this a while ago, and it's sort of been played out. I, I wrote that politics is too often a competition between bigots, or well, at least it's swift to make people bigots who think they're fighting bigots when they're simply fighting over honest disagreements. It's almost as if bigotry is sort of intolerance especially to the other side is, uh, as well as hypocrisy. They're virtues in politics. Political power turns us contemptuous and resentful towards one another. Who would have thought that fighting over power makes us feel full of contempt? Feel resentful towards people that are we're fighting with? Real, get out of town! And that's what we're fighting over is Power. power. It's not the money. It's not the prestige, even. It's the power. And rather than enlightened, see if this holds up to you, if this seems right. Rather than enlightened and measured debate over complex issues, for instance, things like gun laws in this country, actually is a pretty complex issue. If you get down into it, all that patchwork of local, state, federal laws and regulations. Can be. 
Are they currently being enforced to the fullest extent? Is the background check system effective right now? I'm fully, you know, like there's all sorts of things you could ask about. But rather than enlightened and measured debate over complex issues, what passes for political discourse in the United States of America today is often nothing more than dishonest advertising with a dose of insult comedy absent the humor. Well, actually, with Trump these days, there's a lot of humor in it. Um, but why? Why is this? I suspect it is easier to mobilize people for this or that political cause when they are told they must fight some great evil. I suspect if you want people to fight fervently for your cause, you must make them believe you have the moral high ground on your side while branding the opposition as morally depraved and ignorant dopes. You must make your cause more than an abstract argument over ideas and policies, but rather a matter of identity and personal pride. Sometimes it is true that people really do have the moral high ground. Sometimes some people are just morally right, and the people they're fighting aren't. But even when it is not true, inciting intolerance and bigotry in the name of the greater good is still used for, uh, like, regimenting political movements, which only serves to confuse the issue of when a cause is actually a just cause or when it is just being used for cynical political ends. But, you know, I could go on and on, but I almost see the word partisanship now as synonymous with bigotry, which makes the term bipartisanship all the more absurd to me. What is this, like, bi-bigotry? I don't mean bigotry towards people who are bisexual. I mean, it's like two bigotries coming together to somehow solve their problems. Yeah, and, and I think I remember hearing something uh, back years ago, and uh, I mean it's it's a little corny, a little bit cheesy, mm-hmm. but our our identification as a human being somehow in this country we tie it to you're either a Republican, yeah, you're a Democrat. There's some hardcore libertarians. There are a few, not many. And I wouldn't consider you a hardcore. I, I can't. You know what I'm, be, but you know I've what I'm talking about. softened over the years, and I do know what you're talking about. Yes. And then you've got the independents. I would put you in the independent area. I think that's fair. I've become so frustrated with the political scene. I I just want them to do independent things. And yes. then you can and and there's probably more independence than anything with leanings towards one of those sure. three major categories. I would say I'm an independent with in my ideology, my philosophy that guides me is libertarianism, yes. But that's that's the way we identify ourselves. And I was at a conference one time, years ago, a Christian conference, mm-hmm. and and the guy was making a point and he just pointed out in the, in the audience and he pointed to Joey Clark and he says, Joey, what are you? What am I? And Joey said, and I'm a radio host and producer at News Talk 93.1. And he's like, okay, what are you? The next guy's like, you know, I'm, I'm you know, an engineer at so-and-so firm. Yeah, yeah. Went on and on and on. And his point was, this is a Christian conference, he says, no, your answer should be, I'm a husband hmm. and I'm a father. Yeah. That's what I am. I'm a child of God. That's what I am. Now, my interest or right. my career following politics, yeah. my career is I'm a you know right. plumber or what have you, and but we identify if somebody just walked up to you and says, "What are you?" you're going to say, "Well, I'm a Republican. <laughs> I'm a Democrat." 
I'm just Joey, man. Or I don't care. Means you're an independent. I mean, that's that's so. I mean, that's the point I'm trying no, to make. No, and I think you're you're absolutely right. I, I think a big problem with the country these days, generally speaking, is that politics is too much of not only individual people's identity. It's too personal. Well, it's too personal, but it's also. Well, it's too personal in the sense that it sacrifices who you are actually as a person. Like, you mentioned, I'm a father, or I'm a husband. or Like, I've literally seen my dad and his dad yelling at each other as though they're not father and son. Like, they're just vehement enemies on different sides of the political aisle. Like, you two have no political power. You're just yelling and screaming over nothing. Yeah. You're not solving any problems, number one, that give you two understand. I'm all for an argument that somewhat shows where each person stands, but you're not doing that. You're going and you're taking the slogans and the bumper stickers and the insults and all that stuff you learn from watching Fox News and MSNBC or CNN, respectively, and now you're duking it out. You got your training and falling asleep to the cable news networks, and now you're all pissed off at each other because you don't watch the same thing I watch. So we're going to fight. It just seems ridiculous, but it does make sense to me. To kind of wrap a bow around this, what I mean by like partisan political bigotry and why it's so often used, why are people, to put it differently, so intolerant of the other side? Number one is what we've been talking about. People's identity is so wrapped up in how they their interests are expressed in the political realm. But it's also, I would say this, it's easier to raise the ghosts, the specter of like Karl Marx, he's a Marxist, or Joseph Stalin, than it is to oppose the Democrat, you know, using those, like the Democrats are going to lead us like Joseph Stalin, or we're, they're all Marxist or whatever. It's a lot easier to say than making, say, a technical economic argument about the inefficiencies of a single-payer health care. It's easy to generalize right you it's know, easier. I, can, I can come to your house mm-hmm. to put it down a little bit lower where us in pent lala can understand it i can come to your house and look at your air conditioner and say what's wrong with it and i say it's broke <laughs> that's in general right. and that's kind of what our political right it's just broken. arguments are well, well and it's, it's broke and, and also people on the left it's a lot easier for them to say hitler fascist White nationalists, KKK, the MAGA hats, the new hood. It's a lot easier for them to say that, especially if you don't have time. And it's a lot easier to get people's attention to do than say, well, I think restricting immigration hurts us em- uh, economically in this way. I think this foreign war, like putting sanctions on Iran. People don't have the time of day to want to talk about that attention stuff. Attention span yes. is one of the biggest things, and intelligence is another thing. Hmm. I think there should be an IQ test in order to vote. <clears throat> Fair enough. Me personally. But let's actually put this in even more perspective, because especially around presidential campaign time, what do you hear? You hear, say like Cory Booker, the white nationalist in the White House is dividing our country and dividing us with fear and intolerance. Whereas when I get into the White House, if you elect me, American people, it's going to be all unity and love and sunshine and lollipops coming out of my ass or somewhere. Might be Skittles. And <laughs> now what unicorns poop out? But we shouldn't fool ourselves in the midst of all the political pageant, pageantry that uh, politics is about bringing us together and unifying us. What's the one thing that maybe unifies us? Like 9 11 unified us. 
Oh, com- like a, a bad guy, a monster to go slay unifies us. Community, and you can expand that into country. That's what unifies us, the, the human side of us. Our p- politics has never... God dang, Joey. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean th- there has been a president that shot somebody in a duel. Correct? No, that was, a, that was a vice president. That was oh, a excuse me. He shot Hamilton, yes. Oh, uh, Hamilton probably deserved it. <laughs> I mean, deserve it or not. But, I mean, politics has never brought people together. I mean, we, we had this, this fantasy that, oh, all these people were just living here in this country. And they said, oh, let's do this. Let's break away from England. You know? No. Wrong. I mean, that didn't happen. I mean, it was, and I don't know whether to believe it or not, but they say more than not, we're like, no, let's let's don't break away from England. Well, I mean, it's kind of comfortable over here. You got the Civil War. We fought, we divided, and I mean, brother literally Hundreds of thousands of people, brother, yes. yeah. The deadliest war, I mean, just bloody massacres. But it was over something that was one side believed and one side didn't. Well, and here's the thing. Politics, folks, I don't care how many people running for president or the current president, Donald Trump, blow smoke up your ass. I don't care how much they do that. Politics is inherently about division and winning. That's what it is at the end of the day. So all this language they throw on top of it and dress, window dress it, uh-uh. You have to, at a certain point, pick where you're going to be hard-headed and fight for it. Yeah. It's the nature of the game. It, it is It is a sport, but unlike down here... See, I was born and raised an Auburn fan. Hmm. Nobody chooses to be an Auburn fan. Uh, but that's who you pull for. In politics, we have this unique ability every two or four years... We get to choose a new team to pull for. Right. And no matter what, I mean, if something came out about Nick Saban tomorrow, about he was cheating so-and-so way, well, you and I would be all over it. Be like, <laughs> see, we knew they'd been cheating the whole time. The Alabama fans would be, no, and they would make an excuse for it. And that's the way politics has become instead of looking at the facts and saying, you know what? Donald Trump is right when he says... If you lower the corporate tax rate, that's going to necessarily lower the prices of goods and make us more competitive worldwide in a, uh, you know in the economy that we live in. You assassinate all logic. It's just like, nope, you're just giving a lot of money to the rich well, people. And using that analogy, politics today is like blaming Nick Saban or, say, Paul Feinbaum for that idiot who poisoned Auburn's trees. Right. And of course they're not to blame. The guy who poisoned the trees is to blame. Yeah. Well, no, he's not to blame. The guy who put that Auburn jersey on one of our statues is to blame. He was just reacting. No, you're both idiots. You're both to blame. And this is where politics goes really wrong. Is there a lot of people who play this hyperbolic, they play bigot. They play, I'm so intolerant of the Republicans if I'm on the left. Or they play, I'm so intolerant of the Democrats on the left if I'm on the right. But really, when you you sit down for dinner, like, yeah, did you hear that little jab I threw at you? It's like, it's a sport, in a way. Well, that's when they go back in the room with Vance McMahon. Yes. And they're like... Yeah, did you see how I, I pissed them off that way? There's always 
that, and that's what I, I would consider the deep state. Yeah, the booking the, committee. The people yeah. that really control things, <laughs> they're like, good job, guys. Now, tomorrow, this is what we need to do. Yeah, I mean, y'all do it because and they're great at it. It's like, Chucky, you got to be on this side and, you know, uh, pick your Republican on the other side. And y'all get in Mitch McConnell, it. of course. Yeah, Mitch. Cocaine Mitch, yeah. Yeah. Y'all get into it now. Pretend y'all are. We got to put a good show on for the people out there. But at the end of the day, now you know this is this is the policy that's going to get passed. Yep. And so, and where we go really wrong, especially not just the politicians. I'm looking at the people now. Are the people that take the sport of it, the back and forth, the over the top insults and labels, and they take it too literally? And it's one thing when that happens in wrestling. It's another thing when it happens when we were arguing over Auburn-Alabama football. And, yeah, I mean, I was pissed off when I saw those 100-something-year-old oak trees poisoned. Like, what a buffoon. Like, why would you do that? But it's when people take the political way too literally that they start to make a reality out of, well, some terrible, terrible ideas. You know, I mentioned this earlier on Greg's show. One of my favorite short stories on politics, Charles Bukowski is the author. And Bukowski, for anybody who knows him, he's a lot of his stuff has to do with being this vagabond drunk, sleeping with whores and you know, taking all sorts of different jobs. He grew up in the Depression era. He grew up in a household where it was pretty clear that he was abused and beaten by his father. And so he's not a happy man. But what's amazing reading him, even though he's he is not a good person, is out through that all that crap, that pile of crap that is his life, you see these glimmers of like, man, that was insightful. Man, I kind of feel sorry for the guy. Like, there's all these little nuggets of wisdom, strewn, like corn, strewn throughout the crap. And uh, there's this one short story that kind of made sense of people taking politics too literally. The short story by Bukowski is simply called Politics. And it starts off by saying, I was going to school at L.A. City College, and I didn't know Hitler from Hercules. It's the 1930s. But I decided to pretend to be a Nazi. It's like, whoa. Well, number one there, Charles, Chuck. Um, why? <laughs> that seems like a real dumb way to do something. Mm-hmm. But what he was doing is just, you know, that's how he was uh, enjoying himself. It make him laugh to piss off all the good American boys and girls. So we got to go slay the beast across the ocean in Germany. Okay. And he's just doing it for fun. Literally, the short story talks about him going to his locker, drinking like half a bottle of wine, chugging it, and going to class drunk and saying the most evil thing he could think of, just to make everybody think he's you know a Nazi. And his little charade, his little act, little drunken act, he starts to get followers. So during gym class, where everybody's doing what they're supposed to, they march around and spout ridiculous, evil things. But he's, again, doing this all for fun. He just, like, pissing people off. Until one day, he realized he had lost control of his so-called followers. They were starting to take things way too literally. Way too literally. One of his followers showed up as there was a communist on campus speaking. And he was actually listening to the guy talk. Because, again, he doesn't really believe in anything. And I think that's a lot of people's problem these days, especially young people. They don't actually believe anything. 
or they do believe certain things, they don't. It's not conscious to them. I, I would say they don't have a foundation right. of the things that they believe in, so they can be swayed. And we all, it's not. I don't think it's just young people, Joey. Hmm. I think you're. Oh, I think yeah. you're narrowing that down too. Maybe much. so. Yeah, you can be swayed by anything that you just think that's the way I'm supposed to believe. And so I would broaden it out to people in general don't know what they believe in and it's they're easily swayed and can be moved in one way or the other. I mean it's right. wherever the ocean tide goes, you're either so out just put on in. you put on a mask and you play a role but you don't really believe that's in right it that and you're much. just you know i really like what joey says mm-hmm. so whatever he says is good and you can say something absolutely donald trump and I, I i hate to do this but i mean i've got to agree with i'm sure you feel this way what he said this morning as much as i love him about well we got to do something about these video games oh well, I, I think i rolled my eyes when i, I think that. that's one of the stupidest things i ever heard yes. yes i mean i really do and to red flag people that's dangerous cat man better be clear due process I, i'm i'm telling you that is dangerous to if 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 you can't red flag already under current law the the dude that shot up the uh and I don't remember his name, the deal down there in Florida that had, what, like 32 visits from the FBI? Yeah, Yeah, the Parkland guy. If I mean, if he's not on anybody's radar... That's what people are thinking of when they think of red flag laws. And if that's actually what they mean, fine. But you better be defining what allows you to take somebody's right away. But making a new... Do you think... And this is somewhat rhetorical asking you, but for the listeners, do you think making a new quote-unquote red flag law is going to say, oh, well, we're going to catch him this time? Right. Well, and that's why I asked earlier, are the current laws on the books in regards to guns and firearm ownership actually being enforced? I want to know. I doubt they are, actually. I bet you there's a lot that's already on the books that the FBI and, say, locals are failing to uphold, just from, not from, like, oh, we don't care. They maybe don't have the time or resources. It's very possible. And I'd like to look into that. But here, I'm going to get this right, actually. This is the first paragraph or two from this short story called Politics by Charles Bukowski. At L.A. City College, just before World War II, I posed as a Nazi. I hardly knew Hitler from Hercules and cared less. It was just that sitting in class and hearing all the patriots preach how we should go over and do the beast in, I grew bored. I decided to become the opposition. I didn't even bother to read up on Adolf. I simply spouted anything I felt was evil or maniacal. However, I really didn't have any political beliefs. I was, it was just a way of floating free. His Nazi antics, as I said earlier, earn him disciples, the acolytes. But they take the whole charade way too literally and way too seriously. After stumbling upon a communist speaker outside of campus, one of his followers approached him with a bag of rotten tomatoes. Upon being told to put the tomatoes away, his follower said, I wish they were hand grenades. Quote, it occurred to me suddenly that my disciples had been, hadn't been listening to the speaker. Or even if they had been, nothing he had said would matter. Their minds were made up. 
most of the world was like that. I lost control of my disciples that day and walked away as they started hurling their rotten tomatoes. And I think some of this goes on to more or less an extent on the national stage. It's become more hyperbolic. It's become more bumper sticker logic. And that, I, I think that goes back to the attention span and intelligence of the person that you're, you're counting on to vote for you is right. you can't go into the depths of why it is a good thing or a bad thing right. to put, you know, uh, economic sanctions on Iran. Right. You, you can't explain that. No, they're evil. And, and that just, works. That yeah. works. Right. I mean, And maybe they are, but let's at least talk about it. And you can go all the way back to Ronald Reagan, a, a, a good president. Yeah. And, and that's what he... All he said was the evil empire. He wasn't as, as dramatic and dogmatic as Trump is, but, I mean, that's what he called them. The evil empire is what he called them. Yeah. So, it's, and you talk about this cat is in school when in 1930? Yeah. In the 30s? Yeah, right before World War II. All right, so that's before the Department of Education was set oh, up? of course. Yeah. So it's not the Department of Education indoctrinating no, these people? No. So who were indoctrinating the children that were on one side or the other? Their parents. Well, of course. That's where it always comes down to. You either are with your parents and you take on their ideals and you perpetuate what they think, or you... And the same thing in the parent-child relationship is you either are, yes, you're my parents, I'm going to believe exactly like you, or, you know, no, I'm a rebel, I don't like you, so even if I don't believe it, I'm going to believe the exact opposite. Yep. That's human nature. That's called human nature. Well, and a lot of these culture wars are over the fact of something Andrew Breitbart said before he died, that politics is downstream from culture. So if we can win the culture, then we can win politically down the road but it's also the other way around i think politics can pollute the river of culture if it's allowed to become too pervasive it can and once politics comes to define a people it is the clear way you define a people how do we define americans by their politics that's not a good thing all that is left if you are your people or you are defined by politics is an impending battle over whose culture will be imposed through the power of the state in the face of such a looming war, and with the stakes so high, it's understandable, the foolish, but understandable that people often despair, only to hurl invective and material threats towards the others seen as the source of their angst, or even actual bullets. In such a world dominated by political power, it's understandable that politicos see anyone who is cynical about their projects to save the world as a threat to the human solidarity and unity they're trying to bring about. But the true root of the problem is not some other or some different type of person, and it's not being cynical about this whole political project. It's the lust to dominate and control others within each of us. Amen. The tyrant in you is the tyrant in me. I was yelling about it last week, and if we are not careful, even our so-called reactions against tyranny, as we see it, can mutate into movements to destroy something beautiful for destruction's sake. And all this under the guise of so-called freedom. Right. You know. Right. Well, I wish we would get back to freedom. I think that would uh, help. It relieve the pressure a little bit. Be like a release valve. 
because the pressure is way too high, but the politicians double down on it. And they try to do more and more and more in order to win. They can't give up the game they've yeah. started. But you, but you can't. I mean, the, the easiest and most simple example is abortion. You cannot be a player in the Democratic Party nationally if you oppose abortion. Right. And you can't be a player, on the other hand, nationally as a Republican Unless you're if you are and some of And some of these clear lines are fine. It's more the way we talk about the person who holds the different view. Because it assumes the argument. I mean, the whole... And to be honest about this, the whole argument over abortion, both sides do it. One side says that you're murdering a baby. Well, that's what we're arguing over. The other side says it's a woman's body and her choice. Well, that's what we're arguing over. Like, you can come at each other already presuming what the argument is and should finish as. Right. But that's actually what you should have a discussion over. And and that's kind of something that I alluded to earlier. That's where we don't get to that discussion. It's just... You know, yelling the the conclusion that you want you know, one another. Blue shirt bad, right? Red shirt bad, but, and that's yeah. what people do. But here's somebody we can all agree is a fantastic guy, Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. He can help you buy your property. <laughs> he can help you sell your property. He can help you manage a property. And he and the Goodson Group, Eddie Bader and the Goodson Group, they're just it's gangbusters right now. It's a hot hot market. They're doing great things for people. Making people's, well, one of the biggest decisions in somebody's life, buying or selling a home, much easier. Take away a little bit of that stress. It's always going to be a little stressful, but they can take some of it away because you know you're dealing with a pro like Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. I mean, for instance, there's a property, 2023 Capitol Avenue. Three bedroom, two bath, all sorts of finishes, redone, stove, uh, gas stove top. Oh, it's just a great place. But if you're interested in properties like that and much more out there, folks, give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. 322-0662. Again, that number for Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. If you need a real estate agent, give him a call. 322-0662. We'll be right back. Joey Clark. Clark. Uh, welcome back. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour alongside me this evening at Southern Wood. Whoop, whoop. And I just, after this weekend, felt like we needed another crash course, and now we sometimes take our politics too literally. And unfortunately, sometimes people end up dead. It's not the right way to go about things, obviously. Uh, but then to take, again, it's what I talked about last week, take the sins of a given person or society and try to throw it on to somebody who had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And Probably I mean, not going to work out too well either. And that's kind of where I am on this stuff right here. I don't think that the political rhetoric is helping any no, of this. definitely not. But it's not causing it. I mean, no. you're in, 
going back to the red flag thing, say, okay, we, we decide, you know, Joey, he's he's a wacko, uh, one of them libertarians, mm-hmm. you know, and that's we've decided that's a mental disease because he's not either a Republican or a Democrat. You got to be one or the other. We're going to take all his guns. If you decide you want to go to Las Vegas and shoot 50 freaking people, you're going to really find a way to steal a gun kill on the 50, way. shoot 500. Oh, yeah, it, whatever the number is. I mean, that's, it, which didn't happen, but the, well, I mean, it happened, but it wasn't one dude that did it. There ain't no way. That defies logic. Of, and that's, I had a conversation this weekend on something, and, and somebody else was towing the opposite mm-hmm. line that I was. And they were like, well, why do you think that? I said, because I'm thinking logically about this. That, it wasn't the specific shooting, but it was something similar. I was like, calm down for a second and think about it logically. Mm-hmm. How does this possibly even happen? It's like, well, I don't know, but that's what everybody says. Well, then that it's, that's, you know... There's a lot of fun made now about, well, it's on the Internet. It must be true. Right. <laughs> Used to, the saying was, well, that's what everybody says, or they said this. And, and so our terminology is changing. But, well, I saw it on the Internet. You know, there were four people uh, out there in El Paso in the thing shooting. Maybe there were four people. Maybe there weren't. Maybe somebody's confused. We don't know. We weren't there. You know, but we take for granted whichever side. Well, the government says one lone lone wolf, so I'm going with lone wolf. And then the skeptics are like, "There's no way one person did that." Right. We got this one lady, this one lady over here, and she's Hispanic. She's she's not a white Republican male, Christian. So we've got to believe her, right? Yeah. So anyhow, uh, well, let's talk to Gary. Hey, Gary, what's up? Hey, Gary. Uh, just a short comment. I I haven't heard nobody compare it, but the red flag laws are going to end up being the same screw up as a no fly list. You're going to old ladies and four year old kids. Well, I sure as hell hope any red flag law isn't as I don't know loose as those no fly lists. You'll find something on their social media you don't like and you report them. Yeah. Well, he said he said he don't like Mayor Strange. Oh no, he might. That's the way it's going to be. Well, and that's a big concern about any such law is what is your limiting principle? Getting somebody on that list or flagging them? Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be like the no fly list. It's going to be for life, and you don't even know who done it, why you're on there. Right. You can't fight it. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's a valid point, and that's with any. But it's it's not just that though, Gary. It's any law like that that gives the government the availability to make an assumption about you, or to go off, and and that's where I think Joey mentioned earlier. You got to make sure this thing is very tight. Yes, if the FBI has been to your house thirty-two times. Because you've been reported by 32 separate individuals, not the same one. And not just something you said, but like, you know, material threats, beating people up, these sorts of things. It's like if you're walking up and down Dalrada Road with an AK-47, and then you're walking up and down the road naked one day, and, and you've got these multiple complaints, yeah, then you probably have an issue. 
But if your ex-girlfriend is calling saying, hey, he beat me up, and I ain't going to say that. It can't. Well, here's the thing. It shouldn't be an administrative decision where some bureaucracy can go, oh, you're on this list and you're flagged. It needs to be you have your day in court in front of a judge and you can defend yourself. That's the only way it could be done. It's yeah. like the no pilot. You don't know where it came from. Right. It's still on something, something like that, though, Joey, is still you're doing an you're putting an undue burden on me. So it's got to right. go further than. You and I get have a falling out. Yeah, I call you next Tuesday and say, "Hey, Joey, you want me to come do the show?" And you're like, "No, you know, I had a couple of complaints. Screw you, you're not coming in." <laughs> right. And so I call the police and say, "Well, look, this is what I know about Joey. Here's where he lives. I saw him doing, and I can just make the story up." Right. Then you should be able to face me in court if you have to go to court to get off the red flag list. And then, oh, no, I think you should be. I should be forced to pay damages if I make up a story. Right, and I think you should have to your day in court before you ever put on a list like that. You should be informed that you've been flagged, and if you want to, here's the issue with that. You're though. potentially going to be flagged. All yes. right, and and here's I thought that that thought was the very first one that went through my mind. Mm-hmm. But here's what I thought: if you really are a wacko, and I know you have gone off the deep end. And and I'm just using you sure. instead of doing yeah. anything. And you're like, screw these Democrats, screw the Republicans. I'm going to the state house tomorrow, and I've got a list here of everybody that's not an independent, and I'm going to shoot them. Mm-hmm. And I know you are serious about it, and you rightfully should be red flagged sure. because you're yeah. on all kind of dope and and, and everything. Yeah. And I know it for a fact. Well, then if they contact you and that's say, right. Joey. Yeah. You know, uh, you've got a court date because we're going to red flag you. You're going to say, oh, well, I was going to do that next Thursday, but i got to be in court next Thursday, so I'm going to go on and do it tomorrow instead of waiting. And so that could well, it's kind of ramp like, up anything you want to do, or you you could just say, "Well, screw it, I'll just go to Walmart." Well, and I've, a bunch of well, and it also, you're getting to the point of like criminals and people that are intent on perpetrating evil don't give a damn about laws. And you know, I've talked to women before who've gotten restraining orders on people. You know, you have to put your address on the restraining order to tell the guy who's terrorizing you where you live, so he can be restrained from going to that place. It's it is a tricky legal situation. It is. It's very difficult, and I wonder if something like this, like a red flag law, which the president seemed to voice some support for today, he did. I was disappointed in that. Yeah, it just. I, I wonder would it actually prevent things, and that's where we always end up. Well, and, after and, one of these events, and what do they say? The devil is in the details. Red flag law, not necessarily a bad thing. The devil is in the details. Right. Well, and separate from any sort of mass shooting, I would have brought this up without the prompting of two incredibly tragic events, not to mention all the other shootings all over the nation and other deaths and tragic events. We have done a terrible job in the last decade or two of dealing with mental health. And I'm not just talking about a person that's at risk of going to shoot up a place. That's really I mean, key. somebody who maybe can't be productive, can't have a really good job, or isn't living the best life they could because their problem is upstairs in their head. 
Yeah. And so that maybe they're not a violent threat to somebody, but they do need help nonetheless. They can be if they're not in the right I, state of mind. Right. And I wonder what, if why is it that medicine seems to be divided into like your physical, physiological health and then your psychic mental health? Like, why aren't we treating the whole person? Because, I mean, some of those things definitely cut both ways. If you're feeling bad physically, it can affect how you think. And if you're thinking bad, it can affect how you feel. Like, I just think we have dropped the ball in a massive way on dealing with people's mental health. And in some ways, we've tried to mask symptoms. Some people legitimately do have, like, a chemical imbalance, whatever. But a lot, I think, mental issues come from somebody's just not in a good place in their life. And they need somebody to talk to. And maybe that used to be your spiritual guide or your family. or, And I think a lot of people are pulled out of their funk or whatever it is from good friends and family. That certainly happens. I'm sure people out there listening have done that or had somebody help you. Sure. But some people don't have that. Th- that study people keep citing today, and we can make all the jokes in the world, one in five, 20% of millennials say they don't have any friends. Good yeah. God. No friends. That's not a good place to be in life. No, it's not because that's what you have to lean back on. But I, I think, uh, I think that's the most important thing in life is friendship. Well, by far, it is, and we're missing that. Uh, I, I, I would agree with that. We're missing that in a in a, a great point, uh, or to a great degree, yeah. we're missing the the close interpersonal relationships that that you you really were designed to have. But I, I think that the, uh, uh, what's the witch lady? Marianne Williamson. Marianne Williamson. Yeah. I think she really had a excellent point in the first debate when she says, back to the way you started this, we don't have a health care system. We have a sickness care. We have a sickness she care system. She did make a good point with and, that. Yeah. And we just treat symptoms. Yeah. You know, and you can treat symptoms forever. You know, if you've got a nine-inch gash on your arm... You can put band-aids on it to use a, a common, you know, uh, metaphor for it. We can, you can band-aid that up all you want, but until you put some stitches in that thing and pull that meat back together, where it'll grow back and then heal, yeah, there's going to be a different process there. But if you just keep putting band-aids on it, all that's going to happen is it's going to get infected, it's going to get worse, and then they go in and say, oh, you got infection, let's cut that out, and then we'll put a bigger <laughs> band-aid over that and see if the hole will grow back up. No, you've got to fix the well, problem. And he just made me realize something, the, again, one of my favorite writers who wrote a long time ago, H.L. Mencken, he was talking about doctors and patients' relationship to doctors, but I think you could also say this with politicians' and voters' relationship. If you go to a doctor and you really say, Doc, I'm not feeling well, a patient doesn't want to hear suggestions for hygiene. Well, you should change your eating habits. You should probably exercise a little more. Uh, Those certain vices you engage in probably aren't good for your physical or mental health. So really, I mean, we can give you some stuff to aid you in your quest, but you need to change your habits. That's not what people want. They don't want, when people go to a doctor, and I would say the same way when people vote for a certain politician, they don't want a hygienist to tell them, hey, here's how you adjust your life and your habits to make your life better. What they want is absolution. They exactly. want to go like, I mean, the this way pill was, is yeah, going to fix you. It's going to fix it. All your problems go away. It's, it's kind of like when you go, and I'm being raised Catholic, and you go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, and you confess your sins to the priest. 
there is something just, whether you're a Catholic or not, whether you even believe or not, there is something cathartic about saying, I feel like I did something wrong, here's what I did wrong, and he tell another person. But that feeling of the priest going, <clears throat> now let's call on God, you're absolved of your sin. That's what I think people are actually... They want a doctor to absolve them of their illness. They want the politicians to absolve them of any want they ever had. This is a great analogy because you go to the doctor, he gives you this pill. This is your absolution. Here's your pill. Thanks. And it takes care of that problem. You go back a month later, three weeks later, and like, Doc, you know, I'm stopped up now. I, I suffer from severe constipation. He's like, okay, I can take care of that. Here's a pill for your constipation. Here's some Metamucil, yeah. Three weeks later, Doc, my blood pressure's off the chart. Well, okay. Here's that's fine. Thing. That's fine. Yeah. Here's a pill for your high blood pressure. Three weeks later, you go back to the doctor. Doc, now, I mean, my blood pressure's fine, constipation's gone, my pain's gone, but dad gum, I'm having migraines now. Okay, well, here's a pill for your migraines. And it just goes on and on and on. I mean, find an old person that doesn't take a handful, like 60 freaking pills a day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, in the same... You, I would say that that's a lot of our political solution. Like, all these pills... Exactly what they are. Yeah. It's, a, it's a pill for everything. It's a law for everything. Instead of just saying... Because there is no such thing as common sense anymore when well, it comes and, to the law. It's like all these driving laws. Mm-hmm. You think about it. <laughs> think about the driving laws. You have to wear a seatbelt. You know, a 16-year-old can't drive with two people in the well, car. All these passing lane laws they want to put out. Yeah, yeah, you can't drive in the left lane for over a mile. You know, you put all these stupid laws out. You can't talk on a cell phone in your car. You can't text while you're driving. Two different laws. You know, there's already a law that tells you how to drive when you take the test. Don't be distracted. Yeah. There will... There will come, I had, uh, my brother-in-law is a lawyer, and he predicted this. It never came to fruition. He said when they changed, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, Joey, but the, uh, like the 32-ounce soft drinks that you got at a yeah. drive through or something, yeah. used to have the big base. Mm-hmm. Well, then they dropped down to where it's got like a 12 or 16 ounce, yeah. and then it opened up and went mm-hmm. up where it would fit in a cup holder. The companies that didn't go to the smaller base because cars were starting to come set up with cup holders in it, mm-hmm. he swore that would be the next big lawsuit like the coffee in the lap at McDonald's. And his I was like, I was like, Dan, you are freaking crazy. He's like, no. He <laughs> said, you think about it. He said, it's just like the coffee. My car's designed for one. It's, it's starting to become common. And, you know, you give me a cup that won't fit in it, cup falls over. I lean down to pick the cup up. I wreck. It's your fault that I wrecked. Yeah. And but that's the way. That's how we're where we're going. But here's the thing. And this is my prescription, Doctor Clark. Here, not actually a doctor. Don't sue me if this doesn't go right. But to quote another one of my favorite uh, artists and writers of all time, Doctor, everything will be all right. Will make everything go wrong. Thrills and pills and daffodils will kill. And we have a lot of politicians, a lot of doctors, a lot of people saying everything will be all right if you just, you know, listen to me. Uh Uh-uh. It's not working out that way. It's not working out that way at all. 
And so when you hear these folks say, I have a solution to this ill and a solution to that ill, make them speak beyond just the bumper sticker and beyond just painting the opposition a bunch of sinners. Yeah. Because they're probably not a saint themselves, and they probably don't have the, or aren't willing to back it up. They might have an actual idea of what they want to do, but they're not going to give the game away, not by any means. So we need to wake up, because the only way we solve something like what we saw this weekend, whether it was the shooting in El Paso, the shooting in Dayton, or as Toledo, as Trump said wrongly, <laughs> did she? Biden said, "I'm so at a fundraiser, a tragedy in Houston and Michigan." It's like, whoa, they're sleepy, Joe. But or what's going on in Chicago perpetually, or the tent cities in Los Angeles, or just whatever issue you know about here locally, like the shooting in Cloverdale. All these things are not going to be solved by a bunch of bumper sticker logic and labeling the other side evil. That's going to be the road to hell. And and, and that's a great example. It takes changing the, yourself. You know, the shootings in Montgomery. Yeah, I'm, I've heard them. Yeah, I've, I've, heard I've been them here, too. and I've heard the gunfire at night. Yeah. And everybody, the, the knee-jerk, easy reaction is, well, mayor, do something about it. No. And I'm not a big Todd fan. I mean, I like Todd. I really right. do, personally. And uh, <laughs> But when he says, basically what he wants to say, I think, is... What the hell do you want us to do about That's it? That's what I, I mean. When, my, when you hear a shot, right? How are you going to have unless you have a police officer sitting in front of every single house in the city of Montgomery? You can't get there. Well, my car was broken into a few months ago. My first thought wasn't, "Damn it, Todd Strange." That wasn't. I don't think that way. I thought, "What would drive a person to do this?" That's what I thought. I wasn't even all that mad. I was annoyed. It's like, "Damn, I'm going to have to fix my window," but I wasn't like. They didn't mm. know they broke into a poor-ass man's car. <laughs> Did they leave, like, a $10 bill on the seat? They actually took my cup like, holder, like, portable cup holder. Next day when I'm cleaning out the car, somebody comes around the corner and goes, Is this yours? <laughs> they took it, rummaged through it, and threw it out the window because there's nothing in there. <laughs> well, that does it for Monday's show. Thank you.